Structured products have come a long way. From a specialized exotic investment tool, they are now mainstream, and financial advisors are more comfortable about investing in them on behalf of clients. In this episode of Ghost Stories, Brian McMillan, head of retail structured products at Investec, joined me to unpack everything you need to know about the latest product launch, the USD S&P 500 Auto Call. Welcome to this episode of the Ghost Stories podcast. If you've been paying attention in Ghost Mail, you would have noticed a very interesting article about structured products that was placed in there by the team at Investec. And it really is fascinating. And especially for me as a bit of a finance geek, I'm quite excited about this actually, because this is the world of financial engineering and structuring some very, very interesting investment products. And who better to talk to about this than Brian McMillan from Investec. He is the head of structured products at Investec Bank. Brian, Welcome and uh, thank you for bringing this knowledge to the ghost mail audience. I think I can speak on behalf of everyone when I say that this is a really exciting space. You definitely have a, a pretty cool job and I'm excited to learn more about this. Yes, thanks very much, Ghost. So, Brian, I think let's start with how you got here. I mean, then we'll talk about the actual product itself. I always find it interesting how people got to where they are in their careers. I mean, was the sort of structured product side something that was always interesting to you or did you kind of get into the banking world and then fall into this just very curious about what the path was to get you sure so i actually started as a stockbroker many many years ago before the word structured products was ever envisaged and i moved from stockbroking into equity derivatives in the late 90s we started listing things like warrants on the exchange and so my background is really in options, futures, derivatives, and obviously the stockbroking side. And I think, you know, initially uh, the use of options and futures was really used to gain leverage in the market. You know, so people were, were punting, using options uh, to get leverage. It was the, the go-go years of the, the late 90s, um, lots of new listings. You know, then that all kind of switched into CFDs. I've always been interested in the other side of, of options, and that's the ability to hedge yourself. Um, so it was a natural move from there into structured products, which which use derivatives to actually, you know, manage your downside risk. Yeah, options have many options, right? It's certainly not just for speculation. There's yeah. some very interesting stuff that you can do with them. And I think a lot of people, you know, they've kind of heard of these things. I think for a lot of investors who maybe came into the markets during the pandemic, what they heard about options was the sort of typical leveraged play in the US, you know, retail options, the Robin Hoods of this world. I mean, the South African market's very different to that. And uh, I think it'll be good to understand today the other side of options, as you say, you know, how it gets used in hedging. And we'll get into those details yeah. around the product itself. Something I wanted to deal with right up front, though, is are these products that uh, financial advisors need to be involved in in terms of helping people invest in them? Or is this something that investors can come to you directly on? I mean, I, I did some Googling this morning. Pretty sure I saw an investor structured product on easy equities. Is that right? Yes, that's, a, that's exactly right. So while we put these products together um, internally in Investec and within the bank, we don't actually uh, sell them direct to individuals. Um, and the reasoning behind that is pretty straightforward. You know, we don't know all of the, the different investors. You would have to onboard them. You would have to uh, do a neat analysis for each of those clients, and, and we don't have that capability. So we provide uh, an intermediary service where we put together a product that we think is relevant at the time, and then we go out to all the different IFAs. So you can buy it directly from us. 
you would have to go through an advisor or a stockbroker, and and that's why you've seen it on places like Easy Equity, Standard Bank Online, and so on. Okay, fantastic. So this structured product is a listed instrument. That's why you can go through a broker. That's that's exactly right. So all of our structured products that we issue in South Africa are listed on the JSE. And again, that comes from our background of of having warrants and making use of, of the the stockbroking side. What we found with with structured products originally was, you know, when they came to South Africa at first, some people bought these through foreign banks. An example would be a French bank would come here, uh, spend a couple of weeks, sell it to a number of investors, and then disappear back to France. Um, You know, two years later, somebody would say, I wonder how much this is worth. How do I get out of it? How do I sell it? And the problem there became is, how did you find that person? You know, um, I don't know if you've ever spoken to a French trader, not the most helpful people at times. So what we chose to do was actually list all of our, our products on the exchange. And I think that had a big effect in terms of the popularity of structured products, because what that allowed a, an investor to do was value it daily. And also, if they needed to to get out of it, we provide that liquidity on a daily basis. And that really popularized the use of structured products in South African markets. Look, I've asked for directions before in Paris, so I think I can scale that up to trying to hunt down a French trader and understand what's happening with your money. Yeah, it's very interesting. And obviously, being listed helps in terms of just giving investors that feeling of comfort. I mean, obviously, Investec's a proper brand, which certainly helps as well. So this is an interesting space. You know, there's no doubt about whether or not this is something that's, you know, legit and interesting and, and offers something unique to investors. So let's dig into what that is, really. And I want to start with the basics, the absolute basics. You know, a lot of people are very comfortable with what an index tracking ETF is an exchange traded fund. So perfect example, a top 40 tracker or an S&P 500 tracker, you know, and I'll use that reference. It'll become obvious soon why. A structured product is obviously different to that. Do structured products always use derivatives? I mean, is that the key difference between an index tracking ETF and a structured product at the end of the day? Yeah, pretty much. I think uh, that that is the major difference. In essence, what you're buying when you buy a structured product uh, from uh, Investec is you're buying a note from the bank. And that's why, you know, you'll see these structured products being issued by the big banks, both internationally and South Africa, because what it is, is a promise to pay you back, you know, the payoff profile that uh, we give you. So you need the backing of a large financial institution, somebody that can be trusted, so that you know, when you've bought this, you can go back to, to that bank and you will get paid your payoff. And so in, in that respect, uh, they're probably more like ETNs, which are exchange-traded notes, which some of the banks do issue. The, the difference, I would say, between uh, a note issued by a bank and an ETF, um, and you use the example of the, the S&P 500, uh, essentially what we're offering is exposure to those markets, which the ETFs do. But we then structure around that. So we might offer more upside, uh, geared upside. We might offer uh, capital protection, and that capital protection may be conditional or not. Uh, But I suppose the biggest one that's always linked to structured products is that downside protection or capital protection. And that is really the the difference. You know, if you go into an ETF over – the S&P 500, you have the full upside, you have the full downside. 
what we're doing is tailoring these by moving around some of the levers that we can use with options to actually, you know, protect the downside, maybe give more upside or a cap upside. And that is really the difference there. And when you layer on these hedging structures, uh, it's true, right, that if you're going to win on one side, you need to give something away somewhere else. Otherwise, everyone would just do it. So, for example, if you want some capital protection on the downside, you would need to presumably give up some of the upside somewhere. It might be at a specific return level or whatever the case may be. I mean, that's how these option structures generally work, right? Yes, that's correct. So, I mean, in the simplest terms, what, you know, if we had to break it down into its component parts, essentially what, what the investor is doing is they would give us, let's say, uh, for example, 100,000 Rand, and that is for a fixed period. So that's probably the, the number one important thing about a structured product. Um, it, it has a fixed term where an ETF is open-ended. And because we have that money for a fixed term, essentially what we do is we take that 100,000 Rand, we go to our central treasury and we say to them, we you know, have this 100,000 Rand, we're going to need it back in five years time. How much do I need to give you today for you to give me back 100,000 Rand? So in essence, the client is buying a zero coupon bond. And you know, with interest rates where they are at the moment for a three-year period, that might be 70%, for example. So 70,000 Rand we give to our central treasury in three and a half years time. They don't pay us any interest in the interim, but in three and a half year uh, or three years time, they will give us back 100,000 Rand. So we know that we have that capital protection side sorted. We then use the other 30 to go and buy options. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the options can, they uh, once you pay the premium for the option, you don't have any downside. You don't have any obligation towards the downside. You've paid your money. If the option ends out of the money, you've lost your 30,000 rand there, but you can't be called for more money. And that's how we work the protection side. Obviously, then we go and buy as many options on the upside of, for example, the S&P 500 that we can with that 30,000 rand. And so, Again, we can buy options, sell options, all to make up that 30,000 Rand. And, and the example of the order call um, that we've currently launched is that uh, you have protection provided the index doesn't fall more than 30% on the last day in, in five years' time. And how we do that is we're actually selling a, an option at 70% of, of the current value and if the index ends down more than 30%, then you you would have downside. But uh, in the opposite side of that, you know, the upside is if the index is, is flat or positive, we have this digital option whereby you would get a 8.4% return per annum if the index is flat even. So that that's how we kind of work those different uh, products into it. It's so interesting, right? So just to understand, so for example, let's say it closes 31% down on the day this thing expires. Do you lose a little bit of your money? Do you lose a lot of your money? Is it like a cliff? How does that work? So in the article, it has this ability to call in year three or four or five. If it has never called, then we look at it and say, is it down more than 30%? And and your example of mine is 31%. In this particular case, you would actually get back 69% of your money. So you would lose uh, 31%. So it's like being long uh, an ETF at that point. 
The difference being is that at that point, you have to sell. You get closed out after five years. Whereas with an ETF, for example, you know, if you were down 31%, you might decide you wanted to hold on for it to, to come back. You know, I did speak about it earlier. If you do see that four years down the line, it's not likely to call. You're not happy with the outlook of the S&P 500. We do have this ability to actually provide liquidity on a daily basis, and you would be able to sell out of it at that point. Yeah, it's super, super interesting. You make a really good point that at that stage, it's like being long an ETF. That's the point. I mean, you can't you can't create this complete miracle outcome. <laughs> That's not possible, you know, obviously. But I think it's important for people to just understand what that thing looks like. And is that 30% measured in dollars? So that is the S&P 500 index level, or is that in RAND? So we've actually got two of these that uh, we launched at the moment. Both of them, the returns are calculated in dollars. The one that we list on the JSE, you have to put RANDs in. And therefore, you have to get rands out. But I think a lot of the, the investors are very used to things like those um, ETFs, you know, the trackers, where you're buying in rands, it's converted into US dollars. And then if you got a you know 25% return after three years, that is then adjusted by whether the rand is weaker or stronger over that, over that three-year period. But in those cases, the JSE ones, you always get back RANDs because that's the RAND settlement on the JSE. So what we're doing is we're measuring the index, and the index itself is essentially a number. So if the S&P 500 is at 4,400 points, and we then measure it in five years' time, and it's down 31%, it's, a, it's the points that we're actually measuring there. Not um, you know not a rand amount or a, a dollar amount, but actually the movement in the index itself. And I guess on the upside, then um, you know I'm just trying to work out what. So what happens if the rand gets really strong? So you would calculate the thirty percent based on the S and P index. So that's fine. It's yes. not the end of the world then that the rand has hurt you. Uh, but in terms of that sort of eight and a half percent compound annual return you were talking about, um, that's then calculated in. Dollars, I assume. So yes. then the fact that the RAND hurts you, you're still going to get hurt on the yeah. RAND. Yeah. So, you know, you could have the case. So um, let's say you do have the index ends down 31%. You, know, you would lose 31% of, of your dollar value. And if the RAND has actually strengthened by 31%, you would get back the same amount of RANDs um, as you put in. So, so for that one, where, if you bought the dollar one, yes you would be down 31% in dollar terms. So if you put $100,000 in, you would get $69,000 back. Yeah. So it's very much like owning the ETF, as you say, if the index does worse than 30%, then you are in ETF land. You may as well have owned the very ETF so. per se. Let's, yeah. let's talk upside because obviously that's a big benefit. It's giving you that capital protection that you've talked about or at least you know some defense. Yeah. Um, so in terms of upside, if the index ends higher, you talked about, I think, an 8.5% annual return. Is that then capped at 8.5%? Yes. So, you know, that, that's the upside that you're giving away to get the downside protection, essentially. Um, and what we're saying here is, um, you know, we measure this index at the beginning. After three years, we measure it again. If the index is up um, uh, 1%, you will get a 25.2% return, which is 8.4% per annum times three, simple in, in interest. But essentially, 
the index itself is only up 0.1% or 1%, you get that 25. Obviously, if the index is up 10%, you would still get the 25. If the index is up 45%, you would only get 25%. So there, you're giving away that upside, but you've got that, that downside protection. And, um, you know, when we look at these these products in the in the market where we're saying, and, and there's so many different payoff uh, profiles, which you mentioned earlier, where we are at the moment in terms of, um, you know, inflation, uh, will we have a soft landing, S&P being quite expensive, you know, having had a, a good rally over the this year so far, we are saying, where do we think this market will be in three years' time? Now, if the index is only up 2, 3, 4, 5%, you are still going to get that 25% return. If we were, on the other hand, had a view that the market had just fallen 30, 40% and growth was coming back into to the US market, there, there wasn't much inflation, and we expected a very big rally, we wouldn't offer this type of product at, at this time. What we would then offer is something with geared upside. So if the index went up 10%, you would get a 15% return or so on. So Brian, this really isn't a compelling product. And I think what's so interesting about it is if you look long-term over the S&P 500, I mean, those high single-digit returns, that's kind of the long-term average. I mean, that is what the S&P 500 gives you at the end of the day. You know, for all of the pomp and ceremony around Berkshire Hathaway and Warren Buffett and friends, they only manage 10 or 11%, you know, and over time that that difference obviously compounds into, you know, heroics on a big enough number. But in reality, the index is giving you these high single digits, right? So the argument here is, you know, to play it back and, and to make sure I understand it, and because I think it's really clever, is right now the S&P 500 is hot, the US market is hot, we know this. What is more likely than not over the next three years? I would agree with you that it's more likely than not that this thing perhaps underperforms its long-term average, you know, does that mean it drops or does that mean it just goes up a little bit? Well, who knows? None of us know for sure. But the joy of this product is that if it drops a little bit, your capital is protected. So you're better off than you would have been in an ETF. If it goes up a little bit, you actually basically, you know, get kicked up to what is really the long-term average on the S&P 500. The only place you are genuinely worse off being in this product versus being in the ETF is if the index does better than eight and a half percent a year. Am I right? That that's exactly correct. You know, so you know if uh, if this index after three three years is up forty percent, you would only be up twenty five point two. And you know what we're trying to do here is is give the most likely scenarios. You know. And, you know, if the index is up 30% and you only got 25.2, um, you wouldn't be that upset relative to if it's down 20% and you got your, your money back at that point. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. So can we just talk liquidity for a moment? So this thing is an ETN, but your money is locked in for a few years. So how does that work in practice? Does that mean you can't sell the ETN or Investec can't give you liquidity until that period. But if you find someone else to buy your ETN, you can sell it. You know, what, what we do is when we're out marketing this and we're speaking to the IFAs, it's, it's very clear that this is a longer term investment. And most of, of our investors know that. In fact, we never uh, trade more than 2-3% of the actual, you know, issue size. But we realize that, you know, when you're selling to uh, retail investors, uh, people's uh, circumstances change. People emigrate, people 
pass away, people decide that they uh, need to buy a new car and that they need to, to get that liquidity. So we provide that liquidity on a daily basis. We are the market makers. What we do is we provide a, a bid offer in the market uh, on a daily basis. Actually, a bid to begin with because we've sold all the offering and we are just bid in the market to buy that back. And that would be at the, the price of, of that accreting um, zero-coupon bond on a daily basis plus the value of the options. So if the market starts to move up, those options will, will gain more value and the underlying um, bid that we show in the market will start to move up. If the index starts moving down, then um, start moving down. So it's important to know for the investor that the capital protection is only available at the end of, of the period. You know, if they sold it during the life of the period and the index was down 25% after the first year, you know, the, uh, the product in the market might be trading at down, you know, 20% or 15%. Yeah. Yeah, or in a very personal example, a divorce can quickly change how you understand your liquidity ladder of your uh, personal <laughs> balance sheet. So yeah, to anyone considering this, just any money you lock up for three years, just think very carefully. Whatever money you thought you could lock up for three years, you should probably halve that and then lock that up uh, just to be safe. It's probably not a terrible way uh, to go with this then. Uh, just in terms of how much money, I mean, you used the example of 100 grand earlier. I mean, is that the minimum uh, to get into this product? Yes, so so for for investors, um, hundred thousand rand is is the minimum amount, and as I said, you should be prepared to, you know, to hold it to maturity. Although there are those liquidities, you know, what we found is that some of the stockbroking accounts actually offer it in in lesser amounts because they buy in bulk um, across, so they would buy, you know. 20, 30, 40 million from us, and, and then they're able to allocate to their clients at, at different levels. But for individual investors, 100,000 Rand minimum, yeah. Okay, and that would apply if you're going through easy equities as well, or is that an example of where they aggregate? That's an example where they'd be able to, to offer it at less than 100,000 Rand, yes. Each share that's, or ETN that we issue is valued at a thousand rand per unit. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So I think, Brian, to wrap up what has been a really, really cool discussion, you know, in your own words, what sort of investor, when you design this product in mind, is this for someone who is maybe quite close to retirement and is kind of looking for more protection and not as fast on chasing absolute upside? Do you believe this can fit into the portfolio of someone younger? Obviously, I, you know, with the big disclaimer that this is exactly why you work through advisors because everyone's needs are different. But in terms of those listening and contemplating whether they should pick up the phone to their advisor, what is the sort of investor that you think can look at this? Or is it really for anyone and it just depends on their desired return profile? Sure, it it does, and and as I mentioned, we you know we offer a lot of different products uh, at different times in the year that have have different outlooks. So, what we have found is obviously the South African investor over the last few years has access to more offshore funds and and is looking to invest offshore. Um, so that was really um, I think one of the biggest growth spurts in the structured products, the ability for the investor to invest offshore, take money offshore. And of course, when that investor started doing that, South Africans tend to, when they take money offshore, uh, that's almost seen as a nest egg. And, they, and um, the capital protection 
part became very important to them. So, you know, I'm putting money into dollars, I'm putting it into an offshore account, and I don't want to lose it. And of course, you know, um, a lot of money went flowed into offshore bank accounts paying, uh, you know, dollar interest rates of 0.1%. So structured products really hit a mark there because you had the capital protection, but you had this ability to make uh, equity-like returns um, on the upside. So, so it really, um, you know, struck a note with those. Obviously, as we came into, you know, as people approached retirement, um, particularly in South Africa, there, there's a lot of people who are behind on their savings. And traditionally, you know, they would be start moving from equities into bonds as they approach retirement, you know, into balanced funds and so on. But being behind in their, their retirement, you know, savings, that becomes very expensive because you're now in bonds and you're not getting those type equity type returns. And structured products, I think, hit a note there because once again, they have that capital protection, but the equity type uh, returns. So we've, we've seen significant growth from that area as well. And then, um, you know, not all of our products are, are capped on the upside. Some are geared towards the upside. And so we, we've seen investors using those uh, for leverage uh, type plays as well. So interesting uh, across the board, but obviously those two types of investors, those looking to invest offshore and, and those approaching retirement have really used uh, the products very well. And sorry, another question I just thought of that's very important. You can tell I'm interested in this thing for myself. So I'm asking on behalf of everyone, but me too. How does that return come back to you from a tax perspective? Is it a capital gain or? So again, that, that's why we use the, the advisors is, so um, you'll see a lot of our products are, um, you know, are structured beyond three years, so three and a half years or five years. You know, everyone's tax is different. This is not a 9C type instrument where, you know, if you hold it for three years, um, you automatically deem to, to be on capital account. So it does go to intention. But, you know, each uh, individual would actually have to speak to their advisor on that side. Understood. And then last question, can you do this in a PTY limited? Because that's a nice way to get some potentially, you know, look through US exposure in a company. Does it have to be as an individual? Uh, not at all. So um, anybody who has a stockbroking account, so companies, trusts, um, individuals, all of those can actually uh, purchase these on, uh, on the market. Yeah. Fantastic, Brian. I think that's really, really interesting. Thank you. Uh, I'm very happy to have Investec coming on board into Ghostmail because I think the stuff you do is genuinely really interesting. And for me in Ghostmail, it's all about taking people through that journey, you know, from buying their very first share, often their first ETF, to really getting to grips with what's actually out there. So, you know, to recap, for those who are interested, you do need to speak to your financial advisor or at least your broker. Uh, before investing in this, make sure you understand it. It's a much more complicated product than an exchange-traded fund, but it comes with some very cool toys around it as well. And I think, Brian, from my side, just thank you to the Investec team. Thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, I, I hope it'll be a success. I'm sure it will be, as are all of your you know, structured products. And let's do this again when you do your next product. I can't wait to see what you do next with upside gearing and who knows what else. I guess it depends on the market, right? Yeah. Thanks very much, Gus. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute advice. You must speak to your independent financial advisor before investing in any product and especially this one. Investec Corporate and Institutional Banking is a division of Investec Bank Limited. 
an authorized financial services provider, a registered credit provider, an authorized over-the-counter derivatives provider, and a member of the JSE. T's and C's apply to this product and you should refer to the Investec website for full details.